2: to Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Chat TV. Good to be with you on a Monday, busy weekend at hand. It was a good one and a fun one and a cold one. Glorious! I just found myself wandering around the yard just to enjoy how cold it was. Just kind of walking outside like an old man. Like, look at this. It's nice and cold. Bitterly cold. Loved it. Loved it just wandering about. My wife, what are you doing? Nothing. Wandering around the yard. It's in the 20s. I'm going to continue to enjoy this while I can. And I relish how much others hate it. Like lifelong Floridians get so mad, they're like, "Oh my God, this is ridiculous!" I, this is, I'm like, "No, what's ridiculous is 98 and humid, which it'll be here for nine months. Embrace the hell out of this cold, damn it! What's wrong with you?" On Twitter, attach a Cameron show. Hey, you know what's ridiculous? I don't know if you saw this. This had nothing to do with uh, anything of any importance, but it made me laugh, uh, and so I, I thought I'd bring it up here because I went and watched uh, the the replay of this, Tom. After I saw I think a headline about it and I thought, well let me let me investigate. You remember back in the day Coach K used to get upset and say it was a danger to everybody when fans charged the court? And didn't you you were one of those hooligans who charged the court one time when he was here, right?
0: That's correct. I, I <laughs> saw him a mile away. He was a threat. He was a distinct <laughs> threat to our basketball players. So did specifically, you, specifically our scholarship basketball? Yeah, no, they left
2: all the non-scholarship players. <laughs> Anyhow, I don't know if you saw this, and I could certainly understand if you didn't. It is women's basketball. Uh, so Iowa's Caitlin Clark uh, got bumped into by an Ohio State fan when they charged the court after the Buckeyes uh, won that game over number two Iowa, one hundred to ninety-two, and the fans were over the moon about that regular season win against Iowa and uh, charged out onto the floor there, and and she got bumped. And so I saw where the uh, coach for Iowa was saying it's ridiculous and and all that. So I thought, well, there's got to be some footage of this, right? So I went and looked at it. You know, I've come to the conclusion that I think Caitlin Clark kind of sucks as a person. I think I don't like her. Pretty much, I know I don't. She barely got touched. It's the most ridiculous over the top. Ah, It's like like LeBron flopping. It's all time good. She buckled over as if she had been assaulted. Man, it is the fakest, sorriest, ridiculous, most desperate attempt to get sympathy or attention or both. And I don't know why she needs it because she's awesome. She's an incredible basketball player. She can shoot. From the damn logo, but it's just the dumbest thing in the world. Quote, I could see they were storming the court, which was totally fine. Actually, I like this quote. This is the kind of this is the kind of you know backhanded compliment I can get down with. She did go on to say, good for their students. That's a great win for them. <laughs> that that one I'll give you. That one I'll give you, Caitlin. That's good. Uh adding that she was, though quote hammered and blindsided no no you weren't you weren't hammered nor blindsided actually when you watch the replay you can see it coming, and you were barely touched and you raised your hands went flying as if you were actually injured it was ridiculous
0: so you know what it looked like um is yeah. in all of those 80s and 90s movies where they have an extra that gets trucked by somebody you know it's like yeah. there's a chase yeah 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 it- It's the firm. Tom Cruise is running. He's got the briefcase. uh, Right. And then the the movies that make fun of it, they just literally truck somebody for no reason. That's what it looks more like than somebody somebody getting crackback blocked.
2: No, it wasn't violent at all. She was fine. Stop bending over, holding your cut. You didn't get hurt. Nobody hurt you. That was stupid. But it was so very modern. The chick that hit her is running out there, holding her phone out in front of her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got to capture it. Wait till I post this.
0: Yeah, you you could just live it. You could actually see
2: it, be part yeah. of it, celebrate right. it, but you got to capture it.
0: <laughs> you know, I watched more of the concert from my phone. Yeah, so I could see the stage more than with my own eyes.
2: Yeah. I didn't see my son's game, not the way that I would have liked to. I was behind an iPad filming. it, <laughs> So that... Many moons for now, we can all go back. And watch that pick. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was something to behold. But I will. I will brag on my son for a second. He had a hell of a game against Charles and uh, Leon beat Charles in basketball. And uh, Bryce was the player of the game. Tom,
0: there you go. There's that Leon bias. This, you know, this guy is completely compromised now. If you want a fair and balanced report, no, you won't get it from
2: report, me. Yeah,
0: you will not get fair no. and balanced. High school sports reporting on the Jeff Cameron show no
2: you won't you won't get any really I'm just congratulating Bryce I think he had 12 eight and four or something like that 12 eight and six so he had a, he had a hell of a game good for him uh and I, I told him I was I was I was proud of him I was proud of him uh and it was fun it was good hey the other side story and I'll get back into the football here in a second I want this one hit me hard though and this should hit all sports fans and obviously anybody over the age of like 30 35. Probably a little bit more than most. You see where Sports Illustrated? I mean, everything else is dissolved these days. Everything that you held sacred to is gone already. So I guess you just add this to the ledger. Um, But, you know, Sports Illustrated was considered, in my mind, for a long, long time. Not that they didn't make mistakes. Painted title was a huge mistake. Uh, But Sports Illustrated had a lot of great writing for years and years and years and was kind of the gold standard. And, And more importantly, you know, I thought about, like, when I saw that they had laid off uh, most of their staff. They'd laid off over 100 people. And we'll see if they carry on in some capacity or not. It looks like they're they're dead. And, you know, we've had to go through basically newspapers dying, magazines dying, all that stuff. I don't know what the future's going to be there. Something will always rise up, and we'll see. Some of it will be better, some of it will be worse. We know that. But, man, were you of the age, Tom, do you just make it in under the deadline uh, there for go into the mailbox and grabbing your sports illustrated out there at the mailbox Were you, did you do that? A hundred percent. It was Uh, the best.
0: um, You know, ESPN, the magazine tried to make a a run there in the nineties because they gave you the fleece. Remember that they gave you the fleece Mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. And then um, in my school, we had a subscription to SI for kids, which used to come in and time for kids and buddy, you know, those weren't as high quality of. of um, I'm talking about the paper quality, but they all had that beautiful smell to them. Like that's one of the old school smells that, like, walking into Sports Authority, that had a distinct, amazing smell that kids will just not understand because they're going to go to Amazon or they're going to go directly like Nike.com to go get their their new Jordans. But walking into the store or the smell of a brand new magazine when it was mailed to you, man. And then yeah, it was awesome. Like there were different parts of the year where if Warwick Dunn was on the cover, which he was twice, I think, at minimum, I remember that the social media did uh, share a cover that means something to you. It was Break Up the Bucks when we were 5-0. and Right. And Warwick Dunn was on the cover. We couldn't wait for it to get in the mail. My dad and I went to Barnes & Noble, bought – well, and there's another thing, but like go to Barnes & Noble, bought it so I could have it, and it was displayed on my desk. Like, yeah, Sports Illustrated was a humongous deal.
2: Well – the writing in Sports Illustrated, though, for years and years and years was simply phenomenal. And I can still remember as a little kid in uh, 1980 getting the Sports Illustrated with the hockey team after the, the victory at Lake Placid, the whole thing. And I remember that cover. And the, the again, the writers were... Gary Smith and Frank DeFord are two of my favorite writers ever. And not sports writers, writers. And I can still remember reading Sports Illustrated in my room cover to cover each week that it came in. It would come in on Thursdays for us and I would get it and I couldn't wait to look at the cover and then look at the articles and then that's how you consumed your sports news. You you read all of it throughout the course of the week and then compared and contrast when you met your friends in middle school or high school to say, did you read this, did you read that? And DeFord once wrote a piece that, good Lord, he wrote several, but there was one that had me weeping about his daughter dying at the age of, I think, nine years old of cystic fibrosis. Holy moly. But... The the these pieces were powerful and really well written and uh, anyhow I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss that I hope Sports Illustrated is still online still digital some, something I don't know, it's not the same just go into your mailbox though there even today going into your mailbox is a big deal like I get more excited if I get something from Amazon let's say like just a shirt or a hat or I got something coming whatever it is I don't know and I open it up and I see that package I'm like oh all right. It just beats the hell out of going to a store. I don't know why. It just does. I get excited. If it's in the mailbox, you leave it by the door, it's not the same thing. The mailbox is opening the mail. Oh, what's in there? Is there something in there? (laughs) It's very exciting to me. I'm like a little kid.
0: When's the last time you bought a Sports Illustrated?
2: It's been a minute. Yeah, they've been waiting for some time now. Um, no, I get it. I get it. They're going out of business like everybody else. Every other publication, you know. It's I used to get the papers sent to my doorstep every morning. I I used to get several papers. I would get back in the day uh, the St. Pete Times, uh, which is now the Tampa Times, but the St. Pete Times. I when I first started in sports talk radio, in order to put together a show, a lot of times I would I'd get the St. Pete Times, the Detroit Free Press. Uh, I would get the uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution, Miami Herald sometimes. I would get all that stuff, and it was the best. And go back through all those. And <laughs> I remember there, were, there would be days where I, well, I wonder what the Seattle Post Intelligencer has to say about this, or the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and of course the New York Times. All that. I would gather all those. You, you ended up with a lot of paper. You killed a lot of trees. But it, there was something about holding the paper tangibly and going through all of that. I loved it. Loved it, but I haven't bought a Sports Illustrated in years and years and years. Just read it on
0: maybe Winston to Benjamin. Like, was that the last one? Winston to Benjamin. That was a great cover. I mean, we all had that photo anyway. I mean, Garden Gold had it. Everybody had it, but that, that was one to keep. I think that might be the last time I bought one.
2: Yeah, but well, because they, they created the commemorative issue, right? That was the whole thing, was then all of a sudden you had to have the thing when your team won it. Then you had to have the commemorative issue. That was brilliant of them. Uh, and I think that was born out of, uh, anger because there had been a long, uh, form piece by, uh, I think it was, uh, Gary Smith. And, and if I remember correctly, it ran simultaneous to somebody, some program having won a national championship. And instead of them being on the cover, it was this side story on Valvano and they're like, Hey man, I'm sorry. He's dying of cancer, but my team won. Can we, I'm sure that's a great piece, but we won. And so then sports Illustrated's like, well. Yeah, fair enough. So why don't we just do this from here on out? If your team wins, we've got something over here. We can make more money that way. There you go. There you got that one. And here, the people who like to actually read the stuff. There, you got this. That's that's how that went. So anyhow, rest in peace to Sports Illustrated if that's the case. Even though they angered me with uh, Tainted Tata, which was nonsense and later on was shown to be nonsense. Um the work was good, and it was over 70 years long. You can do the archive thing when you go online now. You can go through and read those articles. there. I would invite a lot of people to do as much. You can. There's incredible pieces on there that, I don't know, they don't just engage your sports journalistic mind. It's, it's just good writing, really, really good writing. And I saw the prompt over the weekend where David Hale posted that most of us grew up reading Sports Illustrated. It's how we got into sports, and that was the first time that he realized that you could write something great and it could be about sports. It didn't have to, you know, and, and that you could you could be you could really flex like your writing skills, and it could be about sports.
0: I see something in the chat that has more to do with the capitalist and all of us more than the artist or uh, the consumer. But Matthew asked, "Are Beckett prices still a thing? Do you remember Beckett magazines where, with the uh, the valuations of, of sports sports cards?" I Dude, do. I, don't know why. I was I was so fired up to get that as a kid. I can't. I have forgotten completely until I saw that. It's on a on a different level, mm-hmm. granted. I understand sports illustrated art. Yes. Back sports card
2: memorabilia, yeah.
0: For $6 for a Fleer Ultra set, a complete set from 95-96, I get it, but I was always enamored with that stuff because of the rarity of some of the cards and how much they were worth. It was just it was it was a catalog that I liked.
2: I was so addicted to collecting baseball cards in my childhood that my older brothers used my addiction Against me to make me do or to put me up to crazy hijinks. I remember a shooting, uh, not shooting. Uh, uh, well, they call it shooting a moon, or you know, I I, I mooned my neighbor um, when he was he, he and his his daughter were doing something in the pool in the yard next door. And Aaron said to me, "Hey, I'll buy you a pack of baseball cards from Seven Eleven if you stand on the deck and moon them," and I said, "Okay." Because I was little and didn't care, so I mooned him, and then he was he was very mad. He was like, my daughter's right here. What are you doing? And there was my ass cheeks hanging out. But anyhow, Aaron owed me uh, a pack of baseball cards. Uh, how old were you? Uh, 10, okay. 11. Yeah, it wasn't like a <laughs> – It wasn't, yeah, it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to go knocking on doors and che- after a spell and No, 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 no. Nothing like that. And then another time, I drank hot sauce at Taco Bell – for two packs of baseball cards, just straight drank it, hot sauce. My brother Bobby said, "I bet you won't drink like I don't know how like five seconds worth of hot sauce." And I poured hot sauce down my throat, and he was yeah. like, "Yeah, but that, but that's what I would do for baseball cards. I love them."
0: Yeah, in uh, in fifth grade, I made ten dollars, which I mean, really ten dollars for putting five atomic fireballs in my mouth, staggered at sixty <laughs> seconds, so that it always stayed hot during class, and my teacher. Thankfully, she didn't look at me. I was in her blind spot. Bright red. Everybody in the class is cracking up, and she's like, "Why is? You need to stop it. Everybody, stop laughing, because there are tears streaming down my face, and I've got my chunk uh, uh, cheeks because of five (laughs) atomic fireballs in a five minutes span. Yeah, no, It, it was so worth it. I couldn't taste for three days.
2: I compare opening the mailbox and getting that Sports Illustrated and sitting down to read on the couch while watching a Cubs-Pirates game on WGN and reading my Sports Illustrated. I compare that to the excitement I felt when I'd get on my black and yellow Mongoose BMX bike, racing up the uh, uh, 9th to go over to 7-Eleven and buy packs of baseball cards. And I would not even wait till I got home. I'd get outside the store and immediately open them. And go through all of those and be like, oh my god, I got a George Brett rookie or whatever it would be. you know. And then that cardboard piece of gum that you thought was good, which wasn't. And you'd mm-hmm. get so excited. And yeah, I would I would do that and I'd have those cards and I couldn't wait to go back and trade in the whole deal. So anyhow, long-winded way of saying Rest in Peace Sports Illustrated. I suppose the longer I do this, I'll be saying goodbye to lots of things, including friends, people. Just as it'll be happening left and right. Jeff Cambridge, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me (laughs) zaxby's like look just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land that's easy i can do that i can attest to that a delicious thick juicy tasty zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at of course the strips are a given you Like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters
0: are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer. Giant thing. No. And Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, <laughs> you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces too. They've got like 97 sauces and they're all delicious.
2: I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you at Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years.
1: Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. And it's frozen.
2: So we're back. There's no music whatsoever. We're just live. It's frozen. Okay, good. That's fine. Jeff Cameron show still rolls on and uh, we didn't need the bumper. We didn't need the bumper. Uh, I will say, uh, I, I, are you rooting for Detroit? Is that where you're at right now? Are we rooting for Detroit? Is the Jeff Cameron show rooting for Detroit? I think Matthew is saying yes. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for you.
0: You're an opinionated guy. That's why you have a show with your name on it. Um, but I am. Yeah. 100%. I think we are.
2: I think we're rooting for Detroit.
0: Yeah. It's a likable bunch, likable head coach. I didn't want to lose to him yesterday. Wish they didn't get on fire in the late third quarter and the entirety of the fourth quarter. You know, when we tie the ball game, they go five plays, 75 yards for that ass. That one, that hurt your feelings a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. and then but, the next drive's 89 yards, so that also hurt your feelings. It was yeah. not ideal. Yeah, was eighty-nine. Not, not, yards. A grip,
0: not a good showing for the – we looked like the Eagles defense for about a quarter there. No, we weren't that but, bad, but yes. They were um, – they're a tough team, and they got a battle to battle past more injuries than – the uh, San Francisco does, I think, at this point, even if Debo Samuel's limited this week. But that, what else is new for him? That dude's always limited.
2: Hey, by the way, you're gonna like this. I thought about how perfect is it that that probably—I mean, I don't know if it is or not—but it seems like it's probably it for Mike Evans in Tampa. I'm not giving him 20 million dollars. I mean, we're not—we're not doing that, right? I mean, just it's time to take it on down the road. But here's the thing: I, I don't want Mike to leave. I wish he would take, you know, a hometown discount or something. That'd be cool. Um, but it's so perfectly Evans because the numbers end up being awesome. But of course there are two, one that leads to an interception. And of course, another critical drop. And it's like, it's just okay. This is just what we do now. We're just going to have two, three a game where we just drop inexplicably pat. And then we also make two incredible catches because that's also what we do.
0: That, that is who Mike Evans is Two a T and My um, God, that, that catch on the sideline was great unbelievable.
2: Yep, yeah, Great catch.
0: And that drop in the, First drive that leads to the pick was unforgivable.
2: But is just gives gives away points on the road right off the bat. Gonna it need was my... three. Yeah, well. it was.
0: He he got you seven with the catch. That's a that's a low percentage haul in in that situation where you're sliding. So he gets you seven. He gives up three. But
1: yeah
2: you can say he gives up three if you catch it and it's a first down you may this could be a 10 point swing we're talking about you go down and score tom and then all of a sudden it's not just three you have seven and they have none
0: okay then if you're punting before the half when he (laughs) makes that catch at the two yard line with his zaxby fingers these these outstanding fingers that Mm, uh, well
2: played well played
0: and maybe Detroit scores before the half, and you swing it the other way for 10 points. That drive is
2: actually all Baker Mayfield. He was awesome. The end of the first half yeah. was all Baker Mayfield. That was awesome. That is that is where you love him. You're like, oh, well, that's that's really good. And there are plays where you where you don't. Well, the problem is he's
0: under duress the entirety of the game, and Jared Goff was hardly ever under duress. You know, I think when we got close to him, we brought him down, but then we never got close to him otherwise. Baker was fending off dudes left and right. How many times did he double pump yesterday? I mean, probably yeah. eight times. It was ridiculous. So, I think for the Bucks in the off season, um, you know, the Lions go get to play. For us, I'm thinking edge rusher number one. <laughs> you need you got to have a pass rusher. The middle looks good, but you got to have a pass rusher off the edge. And then maybe some more offensive line help because they got abused yesterday.
2: Kalaji a good player, though, man. We've got a guy. We got a dude. I love that. You got a dude there. And you can tell, unfortunately, uh, that'll be that, I would think, for a certain linebacker in Tampa who didn't get the start yesterday and was told to have a seat. When uh, when Britt has twelve tackles and is the reason Detroit can't run, you're like, Oh, there it is. That's how that's supposed right. to look.
0: <laughs> but that was the whole thing is they thought they had a good plan for the run, and most of the game they did. They it got away everything got away from in the end. But nobody could cover the middle of the field. The passing off between the linebackers and the safeties with Laporta or whoever else was in the middle, they had nothing for They it. had so nothing for Laporta
2: for sure, I'll tell you that. That was a, that was a tough yeah. thing. I, it's going to be interesting to watch the offseason, uh, both with the coaches that we talk about. If you're a Falcons fan listening to this, you don't really want Bill Belichick, do you? Do You want Bill Belichick? Two interviews? Two interviews so far? It's weird to me. Nobody else is interviewing that guy. Have you noticed that? Nobody else? I think about what Jacksonville would need, Tampa Bay, Miami. We can go through all these things. It's kind of fascinating. Um, I'm curious to see what everybody does in the interim. I just hope we get more great games. We haven't... uh we haven't concluded our end, uh, our football viewing yet, and this weekend provided those great moments where you're like, okay, there you go. That's what I wanted to hear. Is that Ira right there? we pulling him up right now? I believe it is. So I'm stretching, stretching, stretching. I want to hear his thoughts on, uh, well, the schedule reveal. I can't wait for all of this. I want um, – I think, and Tom, I'm going to end up meeting you at several road games I think this year, but I think it's going to work out for us. Oh, you –
0: I'll start in Dublin. It all starts one for one. We're gonna have one hell of a. Day. That's not just a road game. That's a that's a vacation, buddy. That's a that's a good several days out there.
2: Well, you and I will have a chance to do shows out there. And over the course of this off season, while we're on the subject, I will will lay out there what what it is we're doing as we've been talking behind the scenes, folks. So we, anybody that's planning on going out there, we'll let them know. Uh, where they are. Okay, there he is. I think he's ready to go. Nope, not ready to go. All right, not happening. All right, no Ira today, guys. (laughs) It's all right. All I was going to say was, what is our plan on War Chant TV for the schedule reveal?
0: So I could tell you that tonight on Smash at 7, which will be Ira and I, uh, the last 20 minutes or so are going to be with Michael Langston. He's going to recap Junior Day, uh, but we will react to the week one like Florida state already has a fairly crystallized picture of the first month of its season or first four games of its season. There's been leaks over um, the last year about how that's going to lay out. So today shouldn't be too much of a surprise in terms of the knowledge of week one Uh, tomorrow. If we play Thursday and Friday games, uh, we'll have a reaction video to that. And then Wednesday we'll react to the whole schedule live on the channel. So you might get some one-off moments the next two days, but you'll get a full show reaction wise on Wednesday.
2: Well, that's what, see, to me, I think because we've all had an uptick in enthusiasm for what's possible next year already, then I can't wait for Wednesday. I'm more and more pumped all the time about what's possible because I think Forest State is going to be a lot better than we maybe assumed, and I can't wait to figure out the order of these games. There's Ira. Ira Shafell joining me right now at Hello, good sir. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, brother. I'm doing well. Uh, we were just talking about the scheduling and, and how WarChan TV and wh- how we're going to roll it out and all that conversation centered around uh, Florida State schedule. And I was saying that it's a, it, it's always exciting because Tom and I eventually do W's and L's on Thursday and you and I and Corey get together and talk about it as well. And we have all these moments you get to write about it. But I'm especially pumped up because you got Farmer back, you got Jackson back, you got Peyton back, you got a bunch of pickups in the portal. All of a sudden, we went from thinking eight and four to all of a sudden believing, man, Florida State could be really, really good again. And the schedule is going to matter how it plays out, where things are, if you think you have a chance to win the conference and go to the playoff.
3: It uh, definitely does, man. And, I, you know, again, and you just think of where 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 things were about three weeks ago, <laughs> um, you know, coming off of, uh, you know, just the month of December, how brutal that was, going into the, the Orange Bowl and then not knowing what they were going to be able to do in the portal, plus um, not knowing who was going to stay. I mean, you, you kind of forget. That, like, there was a part, point in December where we started thinking Peyton and Farmer were leaving, and mm-hmm. if Farmer leaves, does Jackson leave? And so now are you completely rebuilding – this entire team. And now you got all those guys back. Plus what you have done in the portal, I think exceeds probably most, uh, what most people were expecting. And then, uh, you know, yeah. So the schedule is a big deal because one or two different things can, can make a a huge difference. I, I, to me, the, the two, two games I'm most concerned about, we we kind of know the early part of the season. Yeah, we do. But, um, you know, to me, the two biggest games that are going to determine a lot, uh, well, you know, could determine a lot is when you play Miami and when you play Notre Dame. I think if you get Miami late in the year, ideally you'll get Miami late in the year when they've cashed it in and you'll get Notre Dame (laughs) early in the year when it's still nice up there in South Bend. You don't want to have happen to get Miami early in the year when they think they're going to be good and Notre Dame late in the year when the weather might not be great.
2: See, it's funny. I can argue the other way, though, because Miami may actually be decent next year because they do have a quarterback. Now, he hopefully turns it over, and certainly he'll be poorly coached because the head coach <laughs> is not good in game situations, so that'll be interesting. But like early, when they're trying to figure out who they are, you could get them, right. knock them off, and that leads to the downfall.
3: Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's the end of the world either way. I don't think, I. you know, again, I think Florida State should be in good shape to – to win one or both of those games, and that's going to determine whether or not uh, maybe they're, they're a playoff team or not. I think with, and no matter how the schedule plays out, I really think Florida State's going to be one of the teams, you know, certainly a top contender for the ACC championship, and that should give you a chance uh, to get in the playoff. But, but if you can win one or two of those games, I think that's probably going to determine whether or not you really get in.
2: Yeah, I forgot that we have North Carolina next year as well, uh, the game at SMU as well. Um,
3: Yeah, that's a amused one that I've kind of wondered a little bit about because I do think I give Rhett Lashley a lot of credit. He's obviously a very good coach, and they had some nice wins last year. They also had some ugly losses, um, at least one or two, that that were kind of head scratchers. Um, So, yeah, there there are definitely a couple teams that could give you a a trouble if you're not playing well, um, but I don't think anybody that that you would think necessarily Florida State's going to be an underdog again.
2: What's the game you're most looking forward to? Is it at Notre Dame? Uh, I don't know. I think maybe Miami, honestly.
3: Um, just because uh, I do think that's going to be – there's going to be so much hype on that game, uh, especially if, it, if it's at a time where Miami still has a lot to play for. Um, and they should. I mean, they've got a good roster. But they did get a good quarterback, a you know, prolific quarterback for sure. Um, and, you know, and I think when you look at, um, you know, with their uh, what's on the line for Mario Cristobal and, and, and the fact that there was so much – attention on those two quarterbacks and there was a perception that you know Florida State wanted Cam Ward and they they ended up with DJ and Miami ended up getting Cam Ward uh so if you can win that game I think it would be a really strong statement for Mike Norvell and Florida State but no you're right I mean that's probably a fair way to look at it if you get them early in the year maybe they don't know exactly uh what they've got there uh, whereas Florida State you know could be in a similar situation right? you know the Georgia Tech game I think it'll, Georgia Tech will be interesting BC will be interesting early in the year because you know, you're still going to be figuring out exactly what you've got with DJU.
2: It's fascinating to me to think about what's at stake. You're right. The Miami game, I, I mentioned this at the end of the year, but now that we've known what they've brought in and what Florida State certainly has brought in, you start to think about – the importance of that game for Miami. It's at home for them. It's at Hard Rock. They have to win that game. they got to end the losing streak against Florida State. The perception is certainly that Florida State is quite a bit ahead of Miami. Obviously, Mario's trying to chip away at that. It's done well in recruiting. This is a game that all of those fans and all those players, and he will certainly circle, if they lose that game, and fast forward, They come to Tallahassee the following year. Florida State should have a good football team. Like, you could see this streak extending like we've seen so many streaks in this series. Get weird, four to six in a row. Yeah,
3: and that's where you – it's one of those games where you do that in your mind. You say, okay, well, if we can't beat them this year at home, when are we going to beat them? Right. Um, And, and, you know, Florida State's been in that position with Clemson, you know, at times in the past and, and vice versa. And I think, you know, the fact that Florida State won that game at Clemson last year is a big deal. Uh, coming into this year, and it's funny. I was l- watching a, a podcast with, uh, uh, you know, Clemson. Uh, right. uh, Clemson uh, featured pod- podcast, and they were talking about uh, what they've done in the portal and, and and what they haven't done in the portal, and the concerns about Kate Clubnick. And I, man, I, I think those people are more concerned about Kate Clubnick than maybe we realize. Uh, I just think that they're they're very concerned about what they've got there at quarterback, and and they've obviously lost a lot of pieces, and and so now you can get them at home. Uh, It's going to be interesting. I I think the ACC is wide open, but I don't know that. I'm not sure if if Clemson's one of the contenders, or at least one of the top contenders. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what what they look like.
2: It'll be nice to have them here. That'll be a raucous atmosphere. You got a chance to solidify that you're once again the king of the conference. You beat them there. You won the ACC. If they come here and you beat them. And you continue it would be
3: nice to beat them comfortably. It would be nice. Well,
2: it would. Yes, it would. It would be nice to beat them comfortably. But I, I, again, I start to think about like there are a lot of big moments at stake for rivals within the ACC. Like Florida State's in a good place coming off a thirteen and zero. Miami's still hungry, still trying to climb. Clemson trying to get back to where they were after a four loss season, including a home loss to us. Florida State is really kind of in a in a nice position because I think we know that at this point with the upgrades within the portal. And then what you brought back with roster retention and that good news again, as I, you know, mentioned earlier, uh, continues with Farmer coming back. You really know that the the floor is not as far as we thought it was going to be when the season ended and you saw the names of those that were leaving the program. I think we went from oh man, this could be like seven and five to thinking, eh, yeah, they shouldn't do any worse than nine and three. Yeah, and that's where it depends on
3: when you said it because I you know I know a couple of weeks ago I probably said eight four was probably you'd be happy with eight and four. I said it in one show we did. And then you look at what they've added in and it's like, I don't know if you'd be happy with eight and four, you eight and four you can live with probably. And that is probably about the, 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 the basement. Right That's the cutoff. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but what you'd be happy with, I don't, I don't know that you'd be happy next season with anything less than probably 10 wins. I think you could live with eight, and four and certainly nine and three. Uh, but I don't think anybody's going to be happy with what this roster looks like right now. And the fact you have a a fifth year quarterback back running the offense. We're not now running the offense uh, and all the pieces they've added in. I don't know if anybody would be happy with anything less than 10 wins. And there's no way any of us would have predicted that even before things started going South in December. I just think the perception was going to be that next year was going to be a a, somewhat of a step back. And I think their position to not have a, a much of a big stru- uh, step back as as we thought.
2: Well, think about it, Ira. If you're if you're going to say that the worst case scenario is eight and four, and again, we're not doing Ws and Ls. That's just kind of fun because the schedule comes out this week for people wondering why we're so uh, you know intensively looking at the schedule. Uh, you you would have to tell me that we're going to lose to Notre Dame. You're going to have to tell me we would lose to. My- I'm trying to find four losses. Yeah. You'd have to yeah. lose to Miami. You'd have to lose to Clemson. You'd have to lose to. No- I don't think you're going to lose to Florida, Ira. Um, yeah. not not in Tallahassee. That's so very team. yeah. So who's the fourth loss to North Carolina? Is it to? I, who's it? Who is it? Georgia Tech and it- in, in Ireland. I mean, who is it? I'm I'm not looking at the schedule in front of me. Is Louisville? Do they get Louisville? Or- no. That's a that's a plus. Louisville's definitely stacking up in the uh, the portal. Yeah, they got like twenty plus guys. It's crazy. And and <laughs> Brahm's a good coach and he gets it. He's trying to flip that thing and he did a good job already. But yeah, I mean, you would play them in in all likelihood if they have the kind of year they're hoping to have, you'd play them in the A C C championship game. So really your conference games, we don't, again, for, for the ones we don't know when they are, your conference games are Miami on the road. You got North Carolina at Doak. You got Clemson at Doak. You got Boston College at Doak. You do have Duke on the road, but no Elko. They should fall off. Uh, you've got uh, Notre Dame on the road, and you got Georgia Tech in Ireland. That's your, that's your ACC slate right there.
3: Yeah, to finish eight and four, you're going to have to lose a couple games to teams you should not lose to. Boom.
2: Period. Right. That's it. That's it. That's all. All right, brother. Tonight, the smash. I'll look forward to watching you and Tom. Be good, man. Thanks, FC man. Yep. Take care. That's irishchaffelwarchant Yeah, Tom. There's not. I'm I'm adjusting my and I was perhaps maybe the most negative of everybody as the, as the year ended. At least internally, I thought, ooh. This is going to be kind of problematic. Let's see what they do here. I thought whether or not they would choose to take their lumps and just ride with Brock Glenn, which I would have been okay with because I like Brock and I think his upside is very good. But they went and got the bridge quarterback with a ton of experience and then they've loaded up on the portal with double digits. So now all of a sudden my, my low point here is like I've gone from 7-5 and five to I, I don't, they shouldn't do any worse than 9-3. and three.
0: Yeah, just looking at at the schedule and the opponents and uh for clarity's sake, I saw some people mention the chat, it is true. It's it's November 9th is Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre it's Dame's
2: November the 9th, that's right.
0: So that's locked in. It's gonna be a little cold. Hopefully yeah, it's, it's not it's uh not too bad. In November.
2: early November. It'll be all right.
0: The last time we were there it was like eight or, or ten degrees, uh at kickoff and we played them in November. That was uh I went with the flu. We went to the uh the tailgate. It was a it was not- a,
2: it was a night game. It was nice. I enjoyed it, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, refreshing in some ways. Um <laughs> Maybe Smelly and others in the dump of a town. Yeah. Uh, the way I'm looking at it is eight shoulds and then four will sees based upon how Portal shakes out, how the other team schedules look leading up to Florida State, like all those circumstances and those context clues. Are they playing FSU off of a bye? Is Florida State coming off of a rivalry game and they've got a, a brutal two-week stretch? But I, I think independent of any of those concerns, you should win eight of them. And then those other four are all right, how does it actually lay out in the schedule where do you play these teams?
2: It's weird with all the renovation going on at the stadium. It's a tough year to do that I understand why, but it's a tough year to do the renovation because the games at home, even the games that aren't against juggernauts or, you know, high profile teams, brands, are kind of fun games. Like Memphis coming here is is a fun game. You know, that's September the fourteenth, by the way. That's a fun game. Um, Florida comes here uh, Cal comes here You don't ever get to see Cal Not that you sit around wishing to see Cal But that's just a weird opponent for Florida State But it's here So Cal comes here Clemson comes here North Carolina comes here Like the home slate's really good Just gonna well, be really weird
0: And then, But it's also, everything that we're trying to learn this week is about the middle chunk of the schedule, because we know where we are on August 24th, we're in Dublin. We know that next week we're supposed to be playing Boston College, it was leaked out, I forget the circumstances of that. Uh, But we're going to be playing Boston College, I believe, on Sunday or Monday night on Labor Day weekend. Then you've got Memphis on the 14th. I would imagine with a lot of buys to burn, you'll probably get one after that Labor Day weekend and then you know three of your November opponents. Yeah, Dave. Notre Dame on the 9th, on the Charleston Southern on the 23rd, and then Florida, of course, where Florida fits. So, quite literally, from about September the 21st through the month of October is like where all this shuffling is going to occur. And the question is, with the extra bye week this year, do they actually flex one for the 16th of November? Do we have a November bye? Or is it the 2nd of November? It's just, that's the fun part of it. But we, we know, Six of the opponents, essentially, as we sit here today, is just how do the other six fit into the middle of the schedule?
2: Just make sure you give us the bye before we head down to the road and play Miami, and then yeah. give us the other bye right before we play Florida here. That's the equitable and fair oh. thing to do.
0: Well, we have Charleston Southern, so we're, we're all
1: okay there.
2: <laughs> oh, that's true. That's right. It's Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV.
1: Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.
0: What's good, everybody? It's T. Lizzie here, and I'm talking about Hello Fresh. Can you believe it? I'm doing myself a little pod read here For our friends at HelloFresh, they're supporting both Jeff and I here on the podcast, and they want us to let you know about what it is they do and why they can help you with a New Year's resolution. If it's to save money, to eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do any or all three. Just say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price that you'll like, delivered right to your door. Each HelloFresh box is packed with farm-fresh ingredients, and everything arrives pre-portioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less wasted food. So here's the cool thing. I have not tried HelloFresh yet, but the box has arrived at my house today. I've got three outstanding meals. I chose the plan of meat and veggies. I'm going with the basics here, because I'm kind of a picky eater so they can work around my pickiness and the three meals that we're going to be cooking up at my house are sweet chili pork and cabbage stir fry all right sweet and spicy apricot chicken and pecan crusted salmon very excited to try this out they've got easy sheets little placards that come with the menus they show you how much time it takes to prep how much time it takes to cook and the calories involved with each one of the meals so simple and I can't wait to give it a shot. If you want to experience what we're about to experience, go to HelloFresh.com slash CameronFree and use code CameronFree for free breakfast for life. That's right. One breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That is free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash free. With code Cameron Free. Okay, so you got to go to the website, HelloFresh.com slash C A M E R O N F R E E, and then type in that same code at checkout. I'm about to find out, you should find out too, why HelloFresh is America's number one
1: meal kit. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. I
2: don't know if you saw it or not. I know we were all paying close, close attention to the... NFL playoffs, which makes sense, but if you had an opportunity to cut over, and I don't know if you did or not, Tom, but I did, I thought it was awesome, it's just one of those cool sporting moments, it is seldom seen, then you uh, had a chance to watch Nick Dunlap win over the weekend, and the reason that is significant for those that don't know, he is a sophomore at Alabama, (laughs) so this is insane. And he's the first amateur winner of a PGA Tour event since Phil Mickelson did it back in 1991. And by the way, Phil Mickelson did it as a junior at Arizona State in 91, five months before his 21st birthday. How about this kid with that putt to win that event in that moment? And man, like watching him over that putt, I was sick to my stomach. I want to see, you know, I always talk about wanting to see greatness, wanting to see precedent, wanting to see something. I don't know why I didn't pay attention in 91 when Phil won. I don't think I was all in on golf the way I am now, but damn it, this was awesome. So it's
0: something I missed completely this week. And I saw the headline. I thought, wow, that's really cool. And then I looked at the leaderboard and it's it's wild. It makes no sense, especially in this age, with how early guys come out and how early they reclassify to become pros. But I'll tell you what, buddy, This the next happiest person in the world is Bezadenhut, who finished in second and made a full first-place winner share $1. <laughs> $1. $1.5 million yeah. to be a runner-up. That's a nice place to be because the amateur cannot accept the prize money. He can't declare on the spot, reclassify, and take the money. It's got to go to the next guy in line.
2: So think about this. My man Dunlap, this this amateur at Alabama, shoots 64-65-60, goes into Sunday with the opportunity to win this tournament, and then proceeds to have a couple of moments where you go, ooh, yeah, he's well aware of what is happening and what's on the line. The greatest thing about winning that thing is the grind in which he came back and won it because he throws it away. There's one. There's one moment – where the the audio's picked up, Tom, and bless his heart, I think it's on number seven when he's falling to pieces. My man dropped a the hard f in 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 that word. It was a audible, solid you and me on the golf course. Somebody just yanked one left. <laughs> and I there's that moment. and then on eighteen, as he's walking up, he's got to get up and down. He goes way right to avoid the water left. And Justin Thomas, to his credit, trying to keep him from being nervous, because he's clearly nervous. He just hit one in the gallery. As they're walking, of course, his fellow Alabamian, right? So Justin went to Alabama. He looks over at him and the camera and the mic catches him, goes, Hey, is that your first spectator drilling? <laughs> <laughs> and the kid, nervous with those eyes that are like looking off in the distance, goes, You think I hit a spectator? And Justin goes, well, the percentages. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. I had to give him credit, but he gets up and down, makes a six-footer foot with, like, your knees shaking. I, it's, it was awesome to watch. And then in the interview, he's trying to be composed, and as he's talking, he starts crying. Not like weeping. He doesn't even realize. He's just tears are coming down his face. Can you imagine winning a PGA Tour event as a sophomore in college?
0: No. And, and I don't think he, he might be one of the more decorated players of his generation. Like he might go on to be Phil, which is, again, that's the last person who accomplished this. And Phil had a pretty good career and Phil would have had a better than pretty good career. It, it's hall of fame, but like yeah. best of the best, if tiger didn't exist at right. the same time. Right. Phil.
2: Yeah.
0: So he may go on to do all of those things, but man, it, can he drink legally?
2: I don't know. He just, He's a softball. He maybe that's right on the
0: line. That's right on the line. So, you win a PGA tournament, at, at, there's just there's no equal to that when you're not even a pro, that you go in and you hawk down all the pros. Now, he might go and shoot 75-74 in his next collegiate tournament and look like an idiot, but that's golf. That's what golf is.
2: American Express gave Dunlap the sponsor's exemption to the tournament about two weeks ago. There was once a time, Tiger Woods in '96 that elite amateur golfers thinking about a path to the PGA tour would not want those exemptions players were and are allowed seven exemptions in a year. And the thinking then was to take them after you turn pro so that you might earn your tour card in those seven starts. Uh, but obviously this is, this is nuts. Um, Just golf, just golf. He's not going pro anytime soon. Any of that. He's going to finish out at Alabama. He's got now. He's probably got, as folks have pointed out in this, plenty of NIL money. He's elite Mm -hmm. at Alabama. He's a stud. So I'm sure he's you know junior champ and all that stuff. So he's he's a he's a stud. But man. I, you don't see too many people hit good shots uh, in that situation at that age with all that's on the line. I, I Every time I see it, I, I think, man, they're made of something different. Brett McCabe, who we've had on the show before and who I know is a sports psychologist, has worked over at FSU, did stuff with Jimbo Fisher when he was here, currently works at Alabama, works with a ton of other programs all around college baseball, college football, college golf, Brett McCabe was his sports psychologist. Uh, I should reach out to him this week. But anyhow, he's – yeah, it's amazing. Like, the things that you get – you have to tell kids or tell adults at, at this point uh, in order not to focus on all that's on the line right there.
0: Oh, uh, man. Like, so about – this is close to a year ago now. It was last winter at Southwood. Um, I'm on 15 green, and I've got a six-footer up the hill to go one under for the day. For the day. And I wanted to vomit. And I'm just <laughs> with three friends. I did not make that putt and I shot 76 that day. <laughs> I did not finish strong. But I, you know, Now throw in that. It. Yeah. Throw in everything that actually matters, not this round that doesn't matter.
2: You know, throw in the fact that the gallery is hovering. People are like, it's going to happen. Like you could feel it. It was nuts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good work out of you, sir. Good to uh, talk to you tonight. Tom will join. Ira Sheffield on the smash, 7 o'clock. You guys are going to want to tune in there. Good job out of you, director. Our appreciation to all of you for tuning in, as always. And our appreciation to Mike uh, Tomkowitz as well, joining us on the program to uh, illuminate what's going on with the lawsuit. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Peace.